If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the History Extra podcast. Fascinating historical conversations from BBC History Magazine and BBC History Revealed. At the bitter, drawn-out conclusion of the Second World War in 1945, Germany stood in ruins, both literally and psychologically. Cities had been reduced to rubble, with a power vacuum in government. Millions were dead and many millions more displaced. So how on earth did the country begin to rebuild itself after this chaos? That's something that Harold Yarner examines in his book Aftermath, Life in the Fallout of the Third Reich, which has recently been shortlisted for the Kundal History Prize. We've teamed up with the Kundal Prize to bring you conversations with all the nominated authors. So I spoke to Harold to find out more. So thank you so much for joining me, Harold. Um, It's good to be speaking to you today. So let's delve into your book, Aftermath. Can you give us a sense of the desolation in Germany in 1945? Give us a sense of the scale of the destruction, death and displacement. Germany was nearly completely destroyed. There was a complete mess, a chaotic situation of uh, anarchy. A lot of people were completely shocked. They had lost everything. They had lost their homes, their shelter, their relatives, their families. And uh, this was the situation on the so-called famous uh, Hour Zero. That point of the zero hour is interesting because... As you say, there was no one zero hour. The war dragged on in different places across Germany. So how was that moment of the end of the war for those who experienced it? Yeah, we have an official surrender date, but uh, of course a lot of German towns, especially the western ones and the southern ones, surrendered earlier. So the hour zero is kind of a fiction. The old order was luckily 
completely destroyed. The new one was written in the stars and uh, in so far we had a situation of disorientation, complete disorientation. No one knows what the next day will bring and it is a very difficult, very, very strange situation. But for some people it was uh, a situation of hope and of a new adventure, of a new freedom. This was something I was really surprised to read in your book. Um, I think in the preface to your book, you say that many people reflected on this moment of, of crisis as a happy time. How can you explain that? That's a really astonishing thing. The German, the official German memoir paints the first months after the war in very dark, dark colors. But uh, the more I research these days, the more I discovered that the despair and joy were lying very close together. And um, the neighborhood of death heightened the feeling of life uh, enormously. People were happy that they escape the disasters and they want to express the joy of living. There was a real dense frenzy these days. Even some days after the end of the war, people start to dance again. In many cases, the houses were completely destroyed, but the dance floor in the cellar worked they are looking for new adventures. So they had lost everything in many cases, and uh, now they are longing for new experiences. This is a very astonishing thing. Immediately after the end of the war, you have this explosion of a lust for life. Um, but against that lust for life... There were some huge practical challenges that had to be dealt with. And what about some of those people who were missing from Germany? German citizens who had been victims of the Nazi regime. Did they generally come back to Germany when they were liberated from concentration camps? Or did they start new lives elsewhere? In schools, we learned that with the day of their liberation, everything was happy and clear and their new life began. But in reality, new difficulties were beginning with the moment from their liberation. Many of them filled with feelings of revenge, of hate. They had hunger and without orientation, they were walking throughout the country. They were very difficult. The times of imprisonment in the concentration camps have made them very raw, very brutal themselves. And they were difficult characters and very difficult to handle. A very sad chapter in the history of the aftermath of Second World War. Many of these people um, had lost their complete families. So as more people began to return home, how much were the normal German population confronted with some of the realities of the Second World War, um, particularly the crimes of the Holocaust? These soldiers knew a lot about the crimes 
and say you something about the Holocaust. It's not sure how much they told about these atrocities in their families when they are visiting during the war. The majority of the Germans repressed what they knew about the Holocaust nearly completely in the first years after the war. It took a generation that the Germans were able to confront themselves with the enormous guilt caused by their crimes. The more I researched uh, everyday life, I saw at first that the survival instincts were so strong that they denied everything which weaken yourself. You need all your strength to come along with uh, this very difficult, chaotic situation after a war, with the hunger, with your anxieties, with lots of criminals, with all the things uh, threatening you. And there is not much space for reflecting the past and reflecting uh, your own guilt. The second thing is the existence of children. If you need to educate children, to give them a feeling of good and bad, you have to pretend that you have kept all the moral integrity, even though you lost it completely during the wartime. But the existence of children makes it necessary to repress these strong feelings of guilt and uncertainty because you have to give them a moral compass, a moral guidance. And in so far, I understood my own parents better in the respect that they kept these complete silence over these years of the Third Reich. Still to come on the History Extra podcast. Neither my father or my mother involved in any crimes, but they are involved by uh, looking away. They were eager to go to the Hitler Youth. My father was eager to go to the Navy and to fight. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You say it made you reflect on your own parents. I wonder if you could tell us any more about that, about their experience in this time or perhaps how they responded to it. My father was very young. He was um, a Navy a soldier, and um, my mother was um, a teacher 
and she was also very young in these years of the war. She was working in the occupied Poland and teaching in a German school in Poland, a school which had been in former days, of course, a Polish school. And we, my brother and me, asked her a lot and we very, very hard to her asking about her feelings, what she saw, what she thought about the Polish children, whether she had experienced anything happening to the Jews and so on. And we behave ourselves, children of 13, 14, 15 years, like little judges, very strong. But for us, it was hard to love this generation because we saw films about the concentration camps. We saw all these dead corpses. We saw all these atrocities. And it was for us unimaginable that these parents we loved, of course, should have been involved in some way in all these atrocities. That's really interesting because generational conflict is something that you write about in the book. How much do you think that the the younger generation, people like yourselves, forced an older generation to confront that past? Do you think that efforts to reflect on the war were successful? Neither my father or my mother involved in any crimes, but they are involved by uh, looking away. They were eager to go to the Hitler Youth. My father was eager to go to the Navy and to fight. They were, as children, convinced Nazis, of course, and it's very difficult to judge them, but of course it was important very, very important for us to imagine their past. And for me, it was much more uh, important than the question how uh, the Germans uh, became Hitler voters and Nazis. The question how they get rid of it. That's the theme of my book, how the German society get rid of uh, the mentality which made Hitler possible. Mm. And how do you think that that was done in these post-war years? That's a crucial question because I think a change of political attitudes, of political belief is not mainly a question of rational thinking. Political beliefs are a result of feelings, of emotions, of moods and um, of mentality. And the question is where in everyday life the German changed their uh, emotional household, their mentality. And uh, I think this change was not the result of reading Tocqueville's democracy, but the change was a result of, for example, the experiences with the Allied troops. 
the experience with the black market, the experience of the tensions between the Germans, the uh, refugees, all these day-by-day experiences were creating a society with a new skepticism. We had a very skeptic generation after the war. For example, on the black market, the heroes of the black markets were boys of 14, 15, 16 years, the former Hitler youth. And in their childhood, the most valuable thing for them was, for example, the SS honor Degen. And these SS Degen now, they can uh, sell the black market for two packs of camel cigarettes or Lucky Strike. And the Lucky Strike had now similar mythical values as the honor Degen of the SS in former days. So they learned how fast everything can be changed nearly everything the whole system of cultural values changed they were admiring the allied soldiers they were curious to experience a new lifestyle a new forms of behavior and so on finally i think that the rehabilitation of germany in the post-war years It's one of the most remarkable transformations in the 20th century, really. How would you explain that? What do you think is really at the heart of how Germany managed to transform from a Nazi state to one of the key democracies in Europe in the late 20th century? That's a bundle of experiences, of course, not only one thing. What I learned working on my book is that most of the things were both good and bad on the same time. For example, the Cold War, the partition of Germany. Of course, it was very cruel for many Germans that uh, even their family were divided. On the other hand, the Cold War made it possible that former enemies turned into new allies, into new partners. The British, the American, the French, and Western Germany were suddenly very close together. So these experiences of turning former enemies into new partners was very important for this enormous process of learning the Germans had to make. And uh, very important is, uh, of course, the cultural influence of the Western allies. Popular culture was uh, very, very important in the process of changing our attitudes. We learned a lot by Americans and British pop artists. And, of course, the relationships between the Allied soldiers and the German woman were very important. The German women were not only interested in these soldiers because uh, of the cigarettes or the chocolate. They were keen on the new behavior. They were looking for uh, a new culture. Mm, These women were pioneers, pioneers on our long way 
to the West. And that's what I discovered. Love plays an important role between different cultures. That was Harold Yarner. His book, Aftermath, Life in the Fallout of the Third Reich, is out now, published by W.H. Allen. Harold's book was on the shortlist for this year's Kundal History Prize. And if you'd like to find out more about the prize, then head to kundalprize.com. Thanks for listening to the History Extra podcast. This podcast was produced by Daniel Kramer Arden. 